Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exist, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. Had to pause there for a second. I didn't see the little wavy things popping up on your mic, but you are recording. I am. So that was good radio. (laughs) (laughs) We like to keep it fresh here. So, Tim, how are you doing? Let's move on. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So today... In the New City Catechism, we get into the Ten Commandments. We kind of talked about them last week as kind of this overarching, like this body of right. ten. And we're going to get into the first three today. Which the is the first three. Which is a big three. Yeah. Number one is sort of all of them. True. Number two is going to be fun. Number two is going to be fun. Because we disagree. We do. In its implication. To some degree, Yeah. And I'm excited to give you a long leash. <laughs> this is your platform to speak your your mind on it. Okay. Uh, because it is an area where we disagree, but we see space to disagree. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's a good opportunity to practice that. Sure. Um, so. And the third one. We can't the forget third the third one. one. Third one. Third, I mean, they all matter. They all matter. Those are the two that I come in thinking. We're going to have some stuff to say. This is going to be, this is going to be a conversation. Awesome. So the, the question itself is, what does God require in the first, second, and third commandments? And, and I'm going to be a little bit... So, so one of the things that we always try to open up with is, why does the question matter? Mm-hmm. Sort of in a universal state mm-hmm. of how humanity asks this question. Humanity doesn't necessarily ask the question about the first three commandments. It's pretty much reduced down to the Christian world. Yeah. Um, one thing that I would say is somewhat universal. <sighs> you know what? No, maybe maybe it all just has to do with them individually. Okay. So I don't know if we can start where we would normally start. Well, I think we kind of, to some degree, have to kind of address them one at a time yeah. in order to keep things kind of on, on track. Right. I agree. So, so let's start with one. So the, the first one is simply this. You shall have no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. So, okay, why does that matter? Um, well, we find from Scripture, and we found, you know, the Catechism addresses in earlier questions, there is one true and living God. Right. Right? Um, and he is the creator of all things. Therefore, all things are created with the express purpose to glorify him. Right. So dividing our worship by giving it or even a portion of it to something other than him is inherently wrong right and i think that a large portion of society and it's bled into christendom believes that you can give a nod to god right and that's okay right it's better than nothing (laughs) um and in some cases like have you ever read uh kyle eidelman's not a fan yes so there's there's this intro thing where he's talking about a woman who comes to him and says my son's become a believer and he's kind of becoming radicalized in how important he thinks Christian life is. Mm -hmm. Could you please have a talk with him and tell him that God requires of us all things in moderation, and that includes our faith? (laughs) And Kyle Eidelman's like, I won't. 
have the conversation with him. Yeah. And I think you and I need to have a different conversation. Right. Right. And so I I think that's bled into the church where yeah. where we do the whole like all things in moderation including God. Yeah. And that's not biblical. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, I mean and we sometimes talk about, you know, um other answers that can sure get off track. Um I think one of them uh which exists pretty explicitly in in Old Testament Israel and in certain uh, periods in church history, and, and to some degree exists in ours now, although it might be a little bit more um, hard to hard to discern, is the whole idea of synergism, right? So combining religious allegiance and practices. Okay. Hedging your bets. Sure. Spiritually, right? So, uh, yeah, common amongst the Hebrews in Old Testament. Yeah, we've got the temple or the, you know, or the tabernacle, but we're also over here, we're going to have these, you know, uh, altars to Baal or right. these Asherah poles. The high places. The high places, yeah. They always had a hard time getting rid of the high places. It reminds me, you remember the movie The Mummy? Yes. There's the guy that was the tour guide. Yeah. And when he sees the mummy come to life, he just starts going through all of these different prayers and different languages with different icons and all that kind of stuff. Like he was, he was prepared yeah. for all things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's been common, you know, throughout church history, when Christianity comes to new cultures, sometimes they would struggle with this. Right. Uh, I, I'm kind of deep into a podcast on British history um, and kind of in the late Roman era, dark ages, when Christianity came to the Anglo-Saxon peoples, they're like, oh, yeah, Jesus sounds great. Let's add him to our pantheon. Huge. With, like, Thor and Odin. <laughs> Huge in South American Catholicism, even today. Yes. yes. Even today. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, this could look like it can take different forms, right? Like ancestor worship and that sort of thing, mm -hmm. predominant in other cultures. Um, you know, in, in our, our own particular culture, you know, it's maybe the, the other deity, the other god that we put before Yahweh is self. Oh, 100%. <laughs> right? That's 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 the self. And, you know, there's, I mean, there's other, there's new age thinking, like the spiritual buffet table. And there are things that seem less aggressive. Hmm. Family. Yep. Your kids. Yep. Your career. Yep. Yeah. No, for sure. So these are all, these are all kind of issues, right? There, There's also the whole idea of, uh, the almost the lesser deities, and here's I'm gonna try not to get into the second commandment by addressing this in the first, but Roman Catholics would argue that they're not directly worshiping Mary or saints, but venerating them. That they're like conduits to God. Um, they refer to Mary as a mediator, which is crazy because the Bible explicitly says there is one mediator between God and man. Right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's but, also a moment where uh, someone basically says, here's Jesus teaching mm -hmm. and says, this is amazing. How blessed is the mother who bore you? Right. And Jesus says, no, <laughs> explicitly. <laughs> no, it doesn't go there. That's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. So there, like we, we find ways to, to get, to get this one mixed up. Sure. Um, so that's that's commandment one for other other answers, wrong answers. Uh, there's the second commandment, mm -hmm. right? 
which is uh, to not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that's in the earth and kind of talks about not bowing down to them and not worshiping them. Uh, again, I mean, this is going to be a harsh one for the, <laughs> on the Catholic Church today. Sorry, every, sorry, folks. Uh, but right. So interestingly enough, the Roman Catholic Church combines the first and second commandment into one mm-hmm. and then divides the 10th the into nine and 10. Maybe as a way to de-emphasize the problematic thing with icon worship. I I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. All right. We'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get to it. Um, yeah. So uh, using statues of Jesus, Mary, other saints to help uh, them in their worship, I guess. Um, I mean, I've been to the Sistine Chapel in the Vatican. They depict God the Father all over the place, mm-hmm. which is like, that's... Anyways, to me, that's 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 pretty bad. Anyways, um, third commandment, not to use the Lord's name in vain. Right. I think we've taken a very narrow view of what that means. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, we, we mean using it as a slang mm-hmm. in a cursing form. Mm-hmm. I think that that is included. Sure. Oh, yeah. Um. But also there are a number of times when we use the authority, which is how name is generally used in biblical context, uh, and and claim God's will and things like that in vain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I would agree. Yeah, like growing up, um, the idea of using the Lord's name in vain was kind of reserved for like, yeah, don't use it as a cuss word. Right. right, like don't say these three phrases, and that's how you keep that commandment. Right. Whereas, yeah, it's a much broader. There's a much broader thing going on there. Um, many devout Jews in the past and even in the present refuse to use God's covenant name for fear of condemnation. Mm-hmm. They won't even like they won't even say it. But, I mean, the commandment says not to take it in vain. So I, I don't I don't see God forbidding us using his name. He's forbidding the misuse of his yeah. name. And, and calling upon God in vain and those kinds of things, right? Oh, like yeah. when, if we want to take cheap shots at low-hanging fruit, which is always the best way to go <laughs> yeah, about it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> it is 2021, right? Yeah. So so like when, when a televangelist wants to claim the authority of Christ or of God, to say something like, you can't stop me from believing God for a jet, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, that's that's vanity. Right. Um, and claiming the authority mm-hmm. and the promise of God toward that vanity. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, or that God told them that a particular person would win a particular election. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> so, so what does the New City Catechism say? Um, you, why don't you go ahead? Go me. for it, because I took my screen down to bring up the Bible. Oh, you did. Uh, first, that we know and trust God as the only true and living God. Mm-hmm. Second, that we avoid all idolatry and do not worship God improperly. And third, that we treat God's name with fear and reverence, honoring also his word and works. All right. So looking at the right answers, mm-hmm. things that we believe are appropriate interpretations, mm-hmm. having no other gods before me, Mm-hmm. Also includes no other gods beside me or under me. Um, 
when we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema, and how it's repeated twice in the New Testament, what is the summation of the prophets and of the law? The first and greatest commandment. Mm -hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm -hmm. That is superlative. It is not about prioritizing God and putting him at the top of a list or else it wouldn't say all. It says all. Yeah. Which means, th this is the way I always do this for people. You make a pie chart. Okay? The pie chart is your being. Mind, soul, body. And in that, we're going to start by sectioning off what portion goes to God. It's different than a prioritization. Mm -hmm. Because once you say, well, let's fill in the part that goes to God with red, and you realize what you got is a red circle. Right. And there's nothing left for family, work, friends. It's all to God. Mm -hmm. That's where we are. Right. That's what he's called us to. And right. that's what this means. Right. Um, but what we want to do is we want to sort of shuffle that to the side and say, well, of course, God matters most. But I got other stuff to worry about. God says, no, in doing that, you've not made me. You've not loved me with your all. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. And so uh, this whole. No other gods before me. I don't see it as a list of priorities. I see it as a total consumption mm -hmm. of the person of God. And how I love, somebody might say that and be like, oh, so you don't have any heart, soul, or strength left for your wife? Well, not if I give all to God. Mm -hmm. The cool part of that is that God does not call me to diminish my love for my wife or my children. But instead, it becomes an act of worship to God himself. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that my family's neglected. In fact, what it means is they're cared for better than they would have been otherwise. Because now I understand that not only do I owe them myself as a relationship, I owe it to God mm. to love them well as a spiritual act of worship. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So that's that's my thought on number one. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree, right? Um I always read now I might get myself in trouble here because I haven't actually looked at the Hebrew for it, but the no other gods before me, um, the way that I read that, and maybe you can correct me because you've done more Hebrew than I have, is not simply before him in the sense of like order, right? but before him as in, in his presence, mm -hmm. right? God will not tolerate worship of other things in his presence, right? There's no room, um, there's no room for that. Yeah, interesting thing. I think it's Matthew 19. Uh, a man comes to Jesus and says, how do I gain eternal life? And Jesus says, follow the law. And the guy says, which ones? <laughs> which is condemning in and of itself. Sure. Uh, he's shopping, right? Like, what's the cost? Mm -hmm. Maybe I want to buy this. Maybe I don't. Um, and, and in that, Jesus gives him a list. And he skips this one. Mm. 
right? The wrong interpretation of that story is the man walks away sorry because he has great wealth and rich people don't get to go to heaven. The point that Jesus is making is not that there's a budget line. And if you're living above this certain budget line, you don't get into heaven. Right. The point that he's making is the expression of your life shows that I am not your all. Mm -hmm. And that he was willing to say, this matters more to me than my service to you. That is why there was condemnation on him. Mm-hmm. Because there was another God in his life. Yeah. And and this is this is really big because most of us don't have enough money to mentally compare ourselves to the rich man. Right. But I've had people say to me, Boy, if this meant that it would affect my relationship with my family, I don't know that I could do that. Right. That is the reddest of flags. If there is anything in your life that you would say, I don't know that I could abandon this out of if it compromised my worship of God, mm. then you're in a wrong spot. And that's what the first commandment is teaching us. That's why Jesus skipped the first commandment when he first talked to the rich young ruler so that he could highlight it in the end. It, this is this one, this is why I say the one is everything, and the following nine are details toward it yeah i would agree i would agree with that well why don't we get into the second one then let's do it all right hold on let me roll up my sleeves how do we how do we slip off the gloves avoid all idolatry Mm. so there are different feelings yeah in regards to this there is a spectrum i would say and i would i would start this by saying idolatry does not mean a list of everything you enjoy Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like there's a there's a world of pastors that I respect out there that are like, you look at guys at a football game and how excited they are about the football game and they don't act like that in church. I don't want them to act like that in church. Yeah. Right. Keep it's your shirts thing. on. Don't be writing letters. Don't be spelling out <laughs> Jesus on your bellies like you know you and your boys in the row. Keep that right. for the football game. That's fine. You can be excited about football. Oh, thank goodness. And that not be idolatry. <laughs> that just needs to be said. <laughs> If Ryan's listening, he's cheering right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Um, yeah, we are allowed to enjoy things. God has blessed us with with gifts that we can enjoy. Right. The problem is when those things bleed into idolatry, right? When, and, and again, that's just simply objects taking that place. But this whole idea of, of idolatry... And, and these graven images, um, as I said, over time, like different perspectives in the church have risen and changed. Sure. There's been different phases in church history over how people interpret this rule. Right. And even in this room. And even in this room, we don't totally agree on this. Sure. Um, you go first, Tim. All right. So the passage, <laughs> I know why you want me to go first. You want me to go first so that I have left time, less time to rebuttal your statement. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, a, but here's the trap. As the you, clear underdog. Here's the trap you run. In this race. Yeah, okay. The trap you run is that I render your argument 
unworthy of being spoken afterward. Okay. okay. <laughs> Although that will not be the case. Uh, I, I can respect your position, even though I disagree with it. Okay. The statement it reads, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their children to the third generation of the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those that who love me and keep my commandments. Mm. So that's that's the totality of the reading that we're working with, calling it number two. What I see in this is a follow-up of number one. Mm. Not to the point that I would follow the Roman Catholics and making it one. Right. But to say, no other gods before me, maybe meaning prioritized, mm -hmm. but here clarifying most certainly not in my presence. Right. Nothing else in your life is to be worshipped. Most commonly, that is done through the worship of other gods in the world of the original audience represented by icons. Mm. Icons bear with them only the space that we give them. Okay. Right? So what is meant by an icon is determined by the culture and the heart of the person who is using that icon. Mm -hmm. Right. And we see this in different things. For instance, uh, the swastika, for example, right, is a very dangerous and controversial thing for European post-World War II cultures. Yeah, for sure. In other cultures, centuries before mm -hmm. the rise of the Nazi party, it meant something entirely different. It's, it wasn't uniquely designed by the Nazi party, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's something that those cultures struggle with now because we identify this image, this collection of lines in a way that we give it a, a weight that they didn't intend for it to mean. Right. So that is to say, I don't believe that every image bears with it an act of worship that would cause it to be condemned inside of the second commandment. Right. I believe that those who would argue otherwise have to become full on anti image period. Right. So I would say that there is a position of people that are like, we're not even going to depict the human form <laughs> right. or the animal form right. inside of the church. Mm -hmm. And there was a period when churches had human forms, the apostles, whatever, teaching stories, that those were painted over with all sort of like greenery, mm. which that is even a compromise because it is a thing, um, a living thing on earth. And sure. so I think... In their want to be staunch, they were actually being liberal. That interpretation 
was the Muslim interpretation mm -hmm. during the Crusades. Yeah. Um, do I think that it's an accurate representation to paint God the Father as this completely writ old man? <laughs> like, muscular beyond what his beard seems to represent. Um, no. Right. Do I see it as a problem to have a baby Jesus in a nativity? Mm. Only if people are giving it a point of worship. Right. Can it, can, have we seen it go down a slippery slope? Yes. But it's not our job to fence people short of the law so that they not slide. Yeah. Our job is to correct those that have fallen over the edge and to name that as sin. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so my concern, my concern is depictions of God or, and or Jesus Christ, whether it's the father or the son, I think are, are extremely problematic. Um, particularly to the, to the point that putting a baby Jesus in a nativity turns your stomach a little. It made me uncomfortable. Yep. I didn't make a stink about it. Sure. I, Cause I, I hold this view with an open hand. Um, understanding that people have different levels of convictions about it. And a lot of people are alarmed when they hear that I'm, I'm not, uh, not a fan of depictions of Christ. And so here's my, here's my explanation for it. Well, first off, depictions of God the Father in human form, no bueno, period. Okay. Sistine Chapel, big ripped dude, naked dude on a cloud, like, no, God is... The son is the one who took on human form. Sure. Right? So you are wrongly depicting the father right. in an extreme way. That is that is unhelpful. That's going to give people the wrong idea. The idea that the big man on a big chair up in the clouds, like that art. That's Zeus. Art, yeah, that's Zeus. Art has done that. Right. Right? It is artistic depictions of God that have created this wrong view of God. Mm -hmm. um, a God made in our own image. So that I like, I'm firm on that. I just, that's not, that's no good. Depictions of Christ are trickier because there are things like the Jesus film. Mm -hmm. There are a, a lot of children's material, a lot of contemporary artwork and artwork throughout the history has depicted Christ. And a lot of people have found those things to be meaningful, beautiful, helpful, whatever it might be. Um, as we already suggested, there are, there are some avenues where, you know, people have kind of gone down the slippery slope to icon worship, you know, bowing before statues and praying, praying over them and whatnot. My concern is, is this. Jesus is the incarnate son of God. He was perfect. He was perfect not only in everything he said, but he was perfect in his body language, in his tone of voice, in the way that he carried himself. All of it was perfect. So t for an artist to render an image or for an actor to portray him in a movie, which I actually, I feel is particularly problematic, um, is to provide an extremely diminished representation of who God is. And that is, to my understanding, the basis of idolatry. It's, 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 it's presenting a lesser thing, um, uh, 
and saying, this is God. And so although people might not turn on, you know, the passion of the Christ and start bowing down before their television, I, I see it as being potentially problematic in the sense that uh, people are, are taking from that, oh, that's what Jesus is like. And all we don't have that, um, and and I think it it can cause it can cause problems. So you so you would argue, perfect in his human form, mm-hmm. as well as in his divine form. I would that his flesh was perfect. That the way he carried himself was perfect. Yeah, the way like that that like obviously like Jesus. Jesus was able to suffer injury. Jesus was hungry. Like he was mm-hmm. human in that that way. But the way that he conducted himself beyond even just the words that we have recorded was perfect. Um so and that cannot be captured um by an actor. Now, I say all this at the same time, we got a Jesus storybook Bible for Ayla. Okay. I, I, I do compromise because the unfortunate reality is that there's just not a ton of quality children's material out there that doesn't have pictures of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when they're extremely cartoon and extremely simplistic, and maybe in, if anyone here is, you know, against depictions of Jesus and listening, they're probably shouting at me because I'm, you know, going halfway or whatever. But I, I, it's it's just a necessary thing that it is what it is. You don't mark it out with a marker. No, I don't go that far. I don't go that far. But um, but I probably wouldn't get any children's Bibles for Ayla that would um, have a very realistic looking Jesus. I, I would have an issue with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where I would say you take it further than I would. Yeah. And, and I would I would lean on a couple of comments that you made through it. Okay. Um, <laughs> you made the slippery slope slope argument. Yeah, when I you know, said which is a fallacy, when you said has the potential to. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so I would say that I've already said what I think about the slippery slope argument mm-hmm. on this particular thing, mm-hmm. um, which seems to be a basis. Um, I would also say, I think, for people to look at a picture of Jesus or to watch an actor, and to presume that this is the perfect depiction of the perfect Christ doesn't give people enough credit. Um, and I, my question would be if you knew for a fact that people were able to divorce the two in their minds, mm-hmm. um, would it still be problematic to you or at what level of reality? Like how good does the artist have to be before <laughs> you say, I know I, I you're, you're you've gone too far. So those are the questions for me that just stopped me. We're, we're only on number two and we're 30 minutes in. Yeah. Okay. I just looked at that and realized that. Yeah. Uh, those are those are the two questions that I would throw forward. I would say because of those two things. Yeah. I, I just don't go there. And I probably haven't articulated the position um, as well as I could have. Uh, but I also just want to say for the list, this might be new to you, but I'm not coming out of left field here. This is pretty. This this is this is not this is something that's that's held by by other other folks, um, but I, but again it's something that I think that is uh, is not tight. I don't hold that as tightly as, as some would. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's move on. To and and three. not just other folks. Like like I made the statement that it was the Muslims who painted. Yeah, there over were Christian, Christian icons, but there were Christian iconoclasts. Yeah, and there was also the reformers. There were some reformers. Yeah. Yeah, most of them. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> okay. So. Um, 
anyways, moving on to the third, um, the third commandment, uh, to not use the Lord's name in vain. And we've already touched on this uh, a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think what you, what you had to say is like we have to we have to look at this as having a broader, uh, a broader application than simply using the name of Jesus or the word God as a cuss word, right? Right. Ascribing God's name to things that are not consistent with his will and his character right. is wrong. Yeah, and, and I think we do this sometimes without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we're praying about things, and our whim lead us in the direction our flesh was going to go either way. Mm-hmm. And we say, you know, I was praying about this, and God really opened my eyes, to, or God spoke to me, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we ascribe this, so my position is divinely appointed. Um, and it might, it might just be that while you were praying about it, you felt an unwarranted or warranted, Mm -hmm. uh, emotion toward what you were praying about. Mm -hmm. But you have to be careful before you start saying, God spoke to me Mm -hmm. and said, that is the equivalent of the prophetic, thus saith the Lord. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's dangerous, right? And I think the other thing too, like when it comes to I think one of the common things the ways this this manifests itself is in regards to the spirit in particular because mm-hmm. um and I've even had heard this in conversations with people on very divisive topics, uh political things, things sure. related to the pandemic, things related to a variety of issues that are biblically unclear, I would right. say, as far as like we you could kind of make arguments one way or another on a variety of issues and then say, well, I have this conviction and the spirit brings unity. So obviously those who don't agree with me don't have the spirit or aren't being led by the spirit or whatever that might be. Because obviously my political views or my opinions about lockdowns or my opinions about whatever it is, is directly from God via the spirit. And like that's a dangerous game to play. Right. And, and and to be real, I've had this conversation with a brother in Christ over the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. where that person has come along and said, I'm going to acknowledge that there are varying opinions and that my opinion is not the only opinion. So how do we navigate a world where there are varying opinions as you and I have shown that there can be varying opinions? Right. And they said, the way that we navigate it is we examine the word of God and we pray over our interpretations. And in saying that, what you've said is, they don't, I do, I win, not by, my, the, not by the wisdom of my interpretation, but by the authority of God himself, mm-hmm. uh, which is saying too much, Yeah. right? Like, I can say to you, I read the same passage, I pray about it, I don't come to the same conviction. Right. I would not say... I read the passage, I pray about it, and God has spoken to me or shown me or the Holy Spirit has revealed to me mm. that I'm right. <laughs> That's saying too much. Sure. Right? Um, because the Holy Spirit is alive within both of us. Mm. But there is still an issue of human fallibility mm-hmm. that exists in our attempts to interpret now, that is to throw the door open on every interpretation. No, no. But within the realms of, of what the Scripture has told us and what it harmonizes throughout, we have to be able to have grace. Yeah. And when we say, 
God is showing me, or God has spoken to me, what what we are implying is that we are naming the the divine authority of God over our position. Mm-hmm. That is not to say it can't be done. Mm-hmm. I think there are primary doctrines where that has to be true. Certainly, yeah. But if you're going to say that, you'd better be right. Yeah. Without yeah. question. Right? Yeah. Making a, like, a lot of people have fallen into the trap of of saying that if you don't agree with me on this particular issue, then that essentially is a deal breaker, right? They've made, they've made agreement on this subject, the litmus test for mm-hmm. orthodoxy, right? Your view on a political situation, on a public health situation, on even things like eschatology, that is not a litmus test for orthodoxy. You right. cannot say, because I believe this has been revealed to me by the Spirit, if you disagree, you therefore must be not connected to the Spirit, right? Like, that's just like, that's just ridiculous. But unfortunately, it's it's prevalent. And and there are conditions where I choose to make that statement. Mm. The authority of Scripture yeah. is an area where I choose to make that statement. Mm-hmm. So I have to make that statement. Sure. What I would say to a person is is not don't have that kind of conviction, but where you have it, you'd better be willing to wield it. Yeah. And so if you're going to make the statement, it, it can't be a but we overlook it. Because then what you're doing is you're tolerating apostasy mm-hmm. or heresy. Sure. Right? Um, and so that's where I would call people to take this thing that has become a very common thing in Christendom. I, I think a lot of people are, could be listening to this going, wow, they are way overthinking this. Mm. And I don't think that's the case. I think what we have done for generations is underthought what it means. Um, and to the point that we've become comfortable mm-hmm. with this kind of com- this kind of language. Um, but to say, if that's your conviction, you got to act on it. Mm-hmm. And, and if that means... Burning bridges, you got to burn those bridges. Mm. I'm not calling people to burn the bridges. I'm calling people to question whether or not they truly believe this is the name of God right. that they are claiming and and not their interpretation mm-hmm. or a personal bent or conviction. Right. Because there's a massive difference. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I have nothing to add to that. (laughs) All right. Now that everyone is either confused or upset, (laughs) we'll just walk away. You can email Tim. Just drop (laughs) drop the grenade and walk out of the room. That's what we do. So thanks for listening. Yeah. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex Walker. See you next time. Click. Or not, if you hate us now. Boom.